Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, welcome back to Spin the Rally Pod, your weekly dose of all things rallying. I'm your humble rally fan, Lisa O'Sullivan. We've got a bit of a shake-up to the team. In fact, we've shaved decades off our usual panel of um, experts. Yeah, sorry, Colin, David, George. We have the absolutely awesome and excellent deputy editor of Dirtfish.com, back from his holiday, Mr Luke Barry, is in the house. Hello, and I really appreciate how these introductions are getting grander every week, Lisa. The five pounds will be in the post. It is nice of you. Uh, do you know, I just, I just think we big it up. I mean, I, let's let's face it, the, the world is kind of going to hell in a handcart, so let's just big up everything that's good <laughs> and rallying is good. Because, because we've also got another element of excellence coming from the States, live from the USA. We have the Dirtfish ARA expert, Mr. Mason Runkle. Hello. See, I've, I kind of big you up and I don't give you anywhere to go with that, do I, except to say hello. <laughs> but Mason, it's fantastic to have you on the podcast. Last week, I was, I was waxing lyrical about how beautiful it was outside and, you know, fall was on the way. Autumn was here. We had apples in my garden. They have become apple pie and they've gone in the freezer. So I'm going to have a big feast of apple pie, stroke crumble. Apple cobbler, maybe. There's going to be a lot of apples eaten because um, my trees were very fruitful this year. And I have to say, it's been a very fruitful season on the ARA. Absolutely. For our brand new champion. Do you see what I did there? Yes, that was good. Just moved it in there. Um, and Mason, you were the man on the ground. Yes. Yeah, it was uh, probably the most memorable weekend of rallying I've been to, to be honest. Oh, oh, proper cars. How else yeah, do you know so. that Mason's in the, in the USA? Neither. I think if Lisa and I ever had a V8 outside our door, it would be like the world's gone mental. I couldn't think of an <laughs> analogy there, but that, that, was, that was amazing timing. I loved that. But anyway, <laughs> that's a separate conversation. I think we need to know where you are, Mason, and what that was that went past you there at a fair lick. Uh, well, I live in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is... Um, kind of considered the the home of motorsport by many just because of the Indianapolis 500. Uh, but there is very little little to do with rally here, so I usually have to travel. Uh, I'm going to guess that outside my window was probably either a Dodge Charger or Challenger. That's the, that's the popular car if you're going to have a loud nice. V8. Oh, it's nicely identified there, Luke, as well. I was impressed um, but anyway, with that. Right, right, right. Back to, back to LSPR. Brilliant conditions. Great rally. You were the man on the ground. Back to that point again, Mason. Uh, how was it? Oh, it was just fantastic, honestly. Um, obviously, it wasn't a perfect weekend by any means, but I have never seen so many excited fans at a super special. I've never seen them flood around the cars at Park for May. I, I could barely access the drivers to interview them. It was, it was something I've not seen 
in my time covering rally. And when I asked uh, Pastrana about it, he said he couldn't remember a time that there was that many people just absolutely thrilled to be at the end of a rally. So why? Why? What, what, what was it? I mean, is, is that they've all been listening to Spin the Rally Pod, obviously, and thought, I need to get me there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's a lot. We have um, some of the most incredible cars we've ever had in the championship. Um, we have the best competition we've ever had with, you know, uh, Simonuk and Block coming in with just two points apart. Uh, it was bound to be a weekend like how it was where uh, they were just going to push until something went wrong. Um, but then also, I really have to give a shout out to the organizers of LSPR, as well as um, the host of our super special, the Marquette Mountain Resort. Uh, because they did an absolutely fantastic job advertising locally, getting the media involved, and doing everything they could to make sure that people were yeah. out there and knew what was happening. We didn't have snow forecast, did we? Or was that, or was that always an outside chance? Uh, at LSBR, it's always kind of an outside chance. Uh, 2018, I believe it was, uh, it was very snowy, like uh, actually accumulating on the ground. Everything is white, snowy. Um, we didn't quite have that this year. The weather is always extremely, uh, surprising, I guess I'll say, at LSPR. Uh, if it's sunny, you're surprised it's sunny. If it rains, you're probably expecting that, but it's going to make everything really, really rough out on stage. Uh, there wasn't snow forecasted until Monday, but it came a little bit early and decided to... Throw, a, throw an extra little wrench into the championship. I think that's what's great about rallies at this time of year, though, is that you never know what's quite going to happen. And I guess, in a way, you should never say that any rally can be boring if it's dry. But when you have these added elements of, of weather coming in, it, it just adds the extra spice. It felt like at the weekend, LSPR had pretty much every single sort of element you could ever wish for in a, a fantastic rally it's season finale so the hype's always a bit there anyway but as mason said and it's great to hear that actually because it is one thing that i don't want this to sound a little bit preachy but i guess all rally organizers not all but some could could learn from is making sure you are engaging with the community in that way because it is a special sport we've got so to get the more sort of general publications involved is, is fantastic it's obviously an easy sell if you've got a championship to be decided but this is the thing everybody's just interested and nobody could really call what was going to happen we'll obviously get into how it all unfolded very soon but i don't know that I, I was seeing all the pictures from back over here in the uk and just the snow lying on the ground and say it wasn't <laughs> really thick enough to properly affect the driving but it was well, sketchy enough to cause a fairly big upset, shall we say, in the way the title went out. So I don't know. It's, yeah. It was just great to, to see. And Mason, hopefully you weren't too cold, wrapped up in enough dirt for the gear to, <laughs> <laughs> to keep you going. Yeah, we've got to talk about Ken Block, haven't we? And I, I suspect that that could be part of the lure as well. When fans know they've got a chance to catch up with Ken Block, he is such a big name. Um, there will be people that went specifically to potentially celebrate Ken Block's title with him. Um and and he started so well, Mason. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was kind of going the way that um, most people predicted with Ken not really running away with it, but he was definitely starting to put a gap on Brandon. Uh, Brandon was showing incredible pace for having never run those stages before in the past, but uh, especially on the last stage that Ken completed, he really kind of took off with it. Uh, I think he put 
13 seconds between him and Brandon on top of already 10 or 15 seconds. So finally had enough of a gap to where he was able to back off. And uh, unfortunately on a, I guess a somewhat long straight going into a turn, uh, it was just extremely slick. I don't know what the exact conditions were. I had different drivers telling me that there was wet clay that made it basically no grip. Others were saying that there was ice on stage. Either way, uh, just came in a little bit too hot and uh, went out into the trees and unfortunately damaged the cage, which is a automatic <sighs> DNF from the entire event. Oh, that's so depressing when that happens. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it it was obviously a mixed bag because that meant that you know Brandon hadn't won the championship at that point, but he was extremely close and just had to make sure he kept it on the road, pretty much. Uh, but at the same time, that's not really how you want to win. There is a bit of strategy of making sure that you apply enough pressure that someone can make a mistake. But even then, you still no no one wants to win by just you know driving to the finish for half of a rally. Yeah, I I feel personally very conflicted on that as as sort of a way a a championship can can be decided because in a way thinking about it from running a website perspective, if one of your main contenders, possibly the favorite, crashes out, it's massive. Like it's just the biggest news you're gonna get. But then it does kind of just take the sting out of what's going to happen because everyone's sort of sitting there thinking oh well yes he still has to get to the finish and I think he needed a few points in the power stage as well to sort of secure it but you kind of know deep down that it's going to happen unless you're your Carlos sites in Morgan Park <laughs> 24 <laughs> years ago um, but it is yeah I, I don't know it's such a shame for Ken like I, I've seen the onboard it was quite good of him actually I think to, to share that um, on social because it was very easy not to um, but it's one of those ones that I find it really hard to judge because I, was he going too quick for the conditions? Was was he the one that made a critical mistake in, in that corner? I don't know because he was first there, wasn't he? So there's that argument where that if it was anybody else, could they have made the same mistake? Obviously, everybody coming after him knew that Ken had gone off because they're waving to slow everybody down and telling they're okay. So it's just one of those. But I have to say it was, as Mason alluded to, it wasn't what I expected to see. I think for me, Ken had this one on on paper at least and this is always the big thing yeah. with rallies isn't it nothing's ever won on paper but he'd won the rally three times before as as you said mason brandon never even <laughs> been here before so it was it was a big upset what I, and, I don't know if you managed to see more than i did mason but did it did it look like ken made a, a sort of big sort of fatal mistake there or was that just simply unlucky in such difficult conditions you know I unfortunately Ken went back with the car to to the shop and uh, learned about the cage and didn't end up coming to service the next day. So I never actually got to talk with him. I never got to see the car. I only saw the same onboard that you did. I will say maybe this is a maybe some people will disagree with this answer, but uh, at least in the ARA with how fast a lot of these stages are. It seems like every event has that corner that someone will go off on no matter what, because it's just too unexpected, even if you have all the notes. Uh, remember, remember Wildcat at Olympus? It's where Brandon hit the bridge last year, and even mm. after that happened, Barry went off to the side of the bridge this year. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, Travis's corner on Ojibwe this year, after that, uh, Klim Fedoff went off on the second running of that stage and the car behind him 
uh, Texas Dave almost hit him. It, there's, I want to say that it was probably just one of those corners. Uh, you know, Brandon fell to one of those corners at STPR. Uh, just about everyone I talked to said, yeah, someone was going to be off at that corner by the time we got there. Uh, there is obviously the perfect driver would avoid all of those, but I think unfortunately it was just Ken's turn to to be the one that I guess was the guinea pig for that that corner, especially in the dark, in the snow, in the extreme slick. It was just some of the worst conditions to to be running a rally, which is also the best conditions to be running a rally. So, <laughs> yeah. That's interesting to hear you sort of describe it as or each rally having one of those corners because I've never thought about it like that, but you're actually still dead on in my view. Like, all the examples you pointed out, like, there's always somewhere that somebody seems to come unstuck. But but this is the pace they're all going at, isn't it? It's even as you said, even with Ken, I think he literally doubled his lead on the stage before, as you said earlier. So, but he couldn't completely back off of that because that, that's a puncture, that's a small spin, it's an issue, it's anything. You, you can't leave anything to chance when you're this far into a championship battle but it is I don't know it's I know Ken has his detractors but I just I just can't help but feel really sorry for him because he has done everything he possibly could to try and win this one like even last year that the way he was going about it essentially realizing quite early on in the Subaru that he wasn't necessarily going to be on the pace of, of Travis and to be fair the way Travis started last year nobody else really had that realistic a chance so it's kind of like what Robin Perro did in WRC this year get such a great start that psychologically you bury everybody else even before you get to mid-season but he was learning the rallies was building his pace once up this year he said right I'm coming out I want to win the American championship because for everything he's done he's never he's always been out doing other things other competitions other films other videos everything he's never actually fully since like the early or sorry the late 2000s he's not come back and committed to an American season so it's great to have him back and doing this and I know there's still the debate about his car and everything but Ken still had the awareness and the ambition to get that car for himself. And it was past his legal, so it's not his fault if people feel it's too fast. There's nothing he or the team have done. They're doing what the ARA have declared as legal. So, I don't know. That's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about um, knowing where the line is and not crossing it, but getting as close as you can and getting getting the best possible vehicle to victory. Yeah, and and this is it. And and as I've said before, on I'm sure I've said it on a podcast, but I've definitely written it in articles this year as well, is that that car does not drive itself. Like, yeah, yes, there there are some stages where it will be better than the Subarus, but the Subarus are hardly slouches. I mean, they're very hard cards to judge the Subarus because you've never been up against anything comparable. So it's interesting to see that. I know there's some modifications to Ken's car, so it's not quite the level it was in the WRC, but that the Subarus can keep pace with that is, it shows you how good those cars have been and why they've won so many championships. But yeah, for, for Ken, it is, it is just also disappointing, but I guess there is always next year. Yeah, there is always next year. Um, you know, ARA is a little bit slower to uh, have drivers get their contracts together and figure everything out than WRC, so. Ah, oh, sounds good. <laughs> what was that, Mason? Make your prediction. What, what? Honestly, I think that was probably a truck with a rusted out muffler. <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant. You could say anything, we'll believe you. Awesome. Um, <laughs> um, you, you're talking about next year, and I'm kind of jumping ahead a bit in our um running order but we we have we, we've got a bit of an end of an era haven't we um of cars in the ara yeah um, yeah so i mean next year will be different i mean it'll be the same but different yeah uh there 
kind of bringing back the open class is the main thing to try to make it a little bit more on par with what we would find out of a, a Rally 2 car. Um, it, it's an interesting balance because uh, the open class cars still definitely have an advantage when it comes to power. Uh, they can have a larger motor, and I believe, theoretically, you could just take an AP4 or a Rally 2 and put a bigger motor in it. Don't quote me on that, though. Um, but the the Rally 2 cars have the same advantage that Ken's car currently has, or currently had, I guess, because season's over. But uh, they just have 10 to 100 times more hours of research and development into them. So even though they might be on the back foot, technically, uh, I think that we'll still see them excel because there's all these, all this information that they can lean on, whether it be from, from M Sport or whoever they have their car from. No matter what they are up against, they're gonna be able to be told, "Here's exactly what you need to do to get the car ready," and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I think it'll be pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. I I think it is. Sorry if I've cut across you there, Lisa, but I think it is. No, no, carry on. It is a super exciting time for ARA because, as Mason said, there's, there's still a lot to be done until Snowdrift in February, but there's what, just under four months, I think, or maybe it is around four months until the first round. So there's plenty of time for drivers to sort things out, but actually, at the same time, there's like really no time at all because this isn't an off season like they've had before. You, you can't run the same car. Well, the front runners anyway can't run the same car this year as they can next year. So no matter what they do, they have to turn up in something different, and that obviously creates a bit of a an emotional perspective first and foremost because these cars we had it in WRC last year when they retired the World Rally car, so to speak. It was it felt really sad. Like everybody was all just wistful about how great these cars were, and obviously Rally One turned up this year, and then nobody. It's forgotten, isn't it? Like <laughs> you don't think about it, but it'll be the same here. It's like Mason, you've had the privilege of seeing these cars up close and everything. I've obviously watched all the content I can from, from over here and they are truly special on the stage. And, and this, I guess, was the debate that the guys at the ARA had is they wanted to keep that interest and in, in those great cars, but have more level competition. And I have to say, I, I think that the way that's going is correct. I think it will be nice to see more cars in the battle because as great as it's been between Ken and Brandon, It'll be better even next year. You've got Ken, Brandon, Tom Williams, Pat Grishka, anybody else yeah. that can join that yeah. battle. The more guys you have Alan DeBasu. Right, that, there's another one, isn't it? There's, yeah. There are so many names now in, in, in the sort of lower ends of open four-wheel drive or the RT2 class that, that can perform well, but you don't notice it because realistically they're going to be outgunned by the, the bigger cars. So that aspect is going to be really interesting to see next year. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a teething year no matter what. You know, they're going to have to figure out exactly how the, the new regulations end up actually looking on stage. Um, there's, I'm, I'm being told there's still a good amount of people interested in coming in from uh, outside of the country wanting to run RC2 cars. Uh, I haven't had those people confirmed to me, but I believe that GHR motorsport who joined us at the beginning of the year for snowdrift are looking to get their citroen r5 up here um i don't know if it's for a full season or just for a couple of events but they were very interested in running more ara last time i spoke to them um but you know anything can happen uh it but all those people are gonna have to start learning the rallies i think subaru and hoonigan are still gonna have an advantage uh, and tom williams uh because 
you know, he's already got the car that he's running next year. No changes necessary and has seen a lot of the stages. Um, but as far as everyone else goes, it'll be really interesting to see who comes in, where they'll be, and um, just what, what kind of happens, what kind of competition we see. Dirtfish.com is the place to find out what Absolutely. is happening. Make sure you are checking it and subscribe to the podcast while you're there. Um, we have spoken a lot about Ken Block, but he didn't win. We've got a new ARA champion. Uh, we haven't really spoken a lot about Brandon Semenyuk. What a season he's had. Absolutely. It's a bit criminal that we haven't actually <laughs> come in too much in detail yet. Sorry, Brandon. It, was exactly, it went exactly the way you said it was going to go, Luke, to be fair. And I just thought we'll steer it back on the road and we can, we can celebrate his victory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel, I feel like you uh, threw me under the bus there, but we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and apologies, uh, apologies to Brandon if he's listening, because uh, I fear we might have done the same thing after New England and kind of focused on what happened to Block and uh, not what great success Brandon had, which is uh, a bit of a... A bit of a misfortune, but yeah. But you have to be there. That I mean, the thing is that it is very easy to to do down somebody's success because somebody else uh, fails. But you still have to be there, and you still have to complete the rally. and And that's what he did across the season. He did have a great season. What do you think this means for him and for US rallying? Well, I mean, this is the fourth different US champion we've had in a row. So first of all, it means we have some serious competition for the first time in a long time in the series. Oh, we like that. We like oh, yeah. that. That's also a mind-blowing stat, by the way. I hadn't sat and worked that out, but that's in- that is, yeah, incredible. But sorry, I keep yeah. interrupting you. But that's, no, you're that's good. blown the mind. <laughs> no, I mean, we, we had, what, we had Higgins, McKenna, Pastrana, and now Semenuk. Semenuk, yeah. Uh, and I guess Higgins, you know, you probably won however many championships before that, but I'm still going to count him. Um, uh, but yeah, Semenuk has been an absolutely incredible driver to watch grow into the U.S. championship. He did uh, a lot of stuff in a lower class in the uh, Canadian Rally Championship for a long time, uh, but very rarely managed to get down into America other than a couple of times in an R5. Uh, and when he signed to Subaru... I think a lot of people were really expecting this, and uh, I hadn't known too much about his rallying history up until this point, but as soon as I saw him get out on stage and start to learn, you know, how these rallies go, it was clear to me that this was inevitable. He was going to get a championship, um, but he's grown to probably be the, I want to say the best driver in the series. It's hard to gauge that. But, I mean, if you watch him drive that boat of a rally car in the WRX STI, <laughs> as great as it is, it is absolutely massive. And to be able to keep up with something as nimble as, as the Hyundai i20 um, on basically any type of stage that he's seen before, and even keep up with it until he had his off at STPR, which are stages he's never been on in his life, it speaks volumes, and I think that we're just going to see him continue to improve and may- probably turn into the next uh, David Higgins or Paul Schwonier. Schwonier? Paul Schwonier. Uh, yeah, the, the next guy probably 
going down the line, getting championship after championship uh, if he sticks around long enough. Uh, but I th- at, uh, yeah. he could I th- also, he could also, you know, def- deflect off to WRC if he gets good enough. But that would be a pretty big jump. But I mean, you know guys what? will I, limit I, for him. I would, I would argue that Semenik is good enough for WRC anyway. I think if you put him in WRC two, yes, it would be adaption because he'd be driving a very different car to what he's got now, and he'd be driving very different stages. But I think. The way he's approached, the way he approaches everything, and the, and the progress he's made means that he would be, I think, very quickly on the pace and would embarrass some of the more sort of experienced drivers. But I think, as as Mason just said there, I think this is the worry now for everybody else in ARA is that almost this championship has come too soon for Brandon, not for him, but for everybody else, because yeah. you're kind of praying that it would take him a bit longer to really hit that stride. But this year just feels like the perfect storm for me. He's always been, as Mason again said, he's always shown that promise. As early as his first few rallies in that car, um, it was—I I don't want to say it was Travis's team because that makes it sound like Travis called all the shots and there wasn't an equal partnership. Because of course it was, but he was embedded there. He knew the car. He knew everybody. He'd been there for years. It was, and rally was his game. This is what he does. It's what he loves. But Brandon ever so so, so and even last year when Travis went to the championship, he knew that Brandon was coming. He knew Brandon was a threat, and he just felt that maybe Brandon hadn't had maybe enough luck or consistency to, to really mount a challenge. But this year it has come and he just, I, as I've said before, I think, I keep saying this for forgetting where I've said it. Maybe I've just told him my, one of my mates have forgotten where it was. So if it's not on public record, here's a revelation. But I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I have Hang felt... on, let me get my little book out of Luke Burry quotes. And I've, you keep going, I'm just going to flick through the pages. I'd be worried if you had any of those, Lisa. You shouldn't be keeping that. The nonsense goes out of my mouth. But <laughs> for me, I think regardless of where this championship went, I think Brandon was going to be the best driver of the season. And I don't mean that against Ken. And it maybe sounds ironic because I was championing Ken just 10 minutes ago. But both of them have been incredible this year. We can't deny that. They really have. But there's just something about the way Brandon drives and the way he approaches things. And you've got to remember that this guy's an absolute legend on on a mountain bike that's his that's his bread and butter that's what he does is what he's brilliant at but so to come into a completely new sport essentially and be this good so quickly is is quite startling really um and just the amount of things he's been able to get out of that car and as i say it's been a flawless season other than that small mistake on on stpr which obviously was quite costly and i guess in a way he's quite lucky that didn't cost him his championship because at the time it's what we kind of thought it did do but He's just mm-hmm. level-headedness. He, he's not got too ahead of himself. Like He really is the real deal. And I think he's a massively underrated talent. And perhaps the fact he's not hes not the most like outlandish character. He's not like Travis, who's just a bundle of energy every single time you come across him. He's not got <laughs> the same following that, that Ken does. But he really has to be taken seriously as one of the best drivers anywhere in the world at the minute. The this, this season he's put together. Um, I have to say as well, I think that and I've said, I definitely have said this before. So whether it's in your, your book of quotes, Lisa, I don't know. But I think, <laughs> and it's, it's never to discredit what the job that John Hall did last year, but the addition of, of Keaton Williams as co-driver this year has, I think, made a tangible difference. I think this year would have been big for Brandon anyway. He's got more experience. That's always going to help him. But just the little ideas that, that Keaton's brought from the WRC in Europe to help Brandon sort of progressed and it's all in the final details now that the, the levels these guys are going at or going to rather are incredible like for what is a national championship it's wrc level preparation now. it's it's quite mental when you think about it but yeah what, what a season and what a season and i have to say just congratulations to him keaton and the entire subaru team because 
they did they really were up against it this year with with Ken Hoonigan in that car. It was a brilliant battle. It was a great competitor to come against, and they they managed to sort of slay David as go or. No, that's the wrong way of the analogy. It's <laughs> just legal. Little David. As David. I know, I'm sorry, David. <laughs> but there we are. Got to mix it up in myself. Goliath, yes. That's what I wanted. They, they, they also, uh, they haven't slayed David Higgins yet, because he's not been here since they've joined. Well, do you know what? I'd, I'd love to see David Higgins versus Brandon Semenik. I have no idea if that's ever going to be feasible. Um, I mean, but... we kind of got it twice. Um, but... The first time was New England the other year when uh, when David came back in the Barry's old car and and won that. Uh, but that was Simonuk's first time at the event and he he was learning it. So I don't I don't I don't want to say it was a very fair fight. Uh, but then, you know, Higgins came back for Olympus this year and had to retire after like three stages. What about Travis Pastrani? We, we, we've touched on Travis. How is he going to kind of re-establish himself? We, we, we're we talking about him, but we're not talking about him in the way perhaps he'd like us to talk about him. Um, well, I mean, as much as that's true, I think uh, you'll find that Travis has been talking about himself in the same exact way this whole year, um, which has been a little bit depressing, honestly. It's the only time yeah. I've seen him look kind of dejected, um, but he's still, it's dejected for Travis Pastrana. He's still in very high spirits, no matter what. Um, but I think, and this is really more of a theory for me, but I think he's just doing too much, you know? Okay, uh, yeah. I mean, look at, look at it. <laughs> look, if you look at his calendar, like, what has he even done in the past two months? He's done powerboat races. He's done stunt driving. He's done two rallies. He's done NRX. Um he hopped behind the wheel of a top fuel dragster for the first time. Uh, he's always on the move, always doing something. And Do you know what, though? If you, I, I'm envious now because you sit there and you think, well, if you could, you would. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not blaming him. Um, but I think that if he, if he wants to start, or if he wants to get back to where he was in the ARA, he's going to have to start matching the levels of commitment that Brandon has, which he's, He's very close, to be fair, and Rhiannon has done a great job of getting him there. Um, but I, I think even he, he knows, and especially for personal reasons to spend more time with his family, I think he knows that something's got to give, uh, and he probably needs to clear out a little bit more of his schedule next year. Uh, I talked with him at New England, or not New England, at LSPR, and he said, you know, rally is where my heart is, and we obviously have some work to do on NRX, but uh, you know, as I just mentioned, he needs to spend some more time with his family and he's probably going to have to cut something out. Uh, just not really sure what that looks like yet. That's quite interesting, actually. But I think you've actually told me that theory before, Mason, and I have to say it is, it is hard to disagree with it because I know some people might point out and say that what drivers want more than anything else is seat time. But there could mm-hmm. be a thing of too much seat time and not relevant seat time either. Like all the different things he's doing isn't necessarily going to translate to driving a Subaru down some fast forest stages. Like it is, it is all very different. But I think the thing you can't forget as well with Travis was that injury at the start of the year after the base jumping accident. Yeah. That just put him on the back foot immediately. Because he wasn't, obviously being Travis, he'll never really tell you the full story and he'll play it down. But mm-hmm. recovering from an injury when it's this competitive there, maybe five years ago that would have been okay to still win. But with how 
close and how fast the speed is now at the front of the championship. You, it does make an impact. And then there's the the, the, moment, the momentum side, if I can get my words out, <laughs> because his teammates <laughs> obviously bagging result after result. Um, if I remember correctly, I think it was two wins from the first three, wasn't it? And it probably could have been, well, sh- should have been three, arguably, if that mechanical problem hadn't happened on snowdrift. So it was kind of like what Pastrana did to everybody else last year. And whenever this sort of stuff starts to happen, you whether you mean to or not, automatically you start to feel like the second player. Like you know the pressure's on them to hit back and on the other side of the team you've got the guy that can't really do any wrong. So Yeah. It, yeah. It's a difficult one. But I, I think I'm interested to see what happens next year with the new car because it's gonna be obviously we know Subaru are building a new car to the, the different regulations. So I suspect to drive it won't be that much different. It's not gonna be a total alien compared to what they've driven this year. Well it is bigger. That, is it? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay okay um i yeah. guess that makes sense thinking about it actually with the model we based off but <laughs> yeah um i think the point i was trying to make is that that there is an opportunity for travis to try and find an edge over his teammate get in the car get testing it i don't want to say mold it towards you and spite your teammate because that wouldn't be helpful for anybody but to make sure you hit the ground running first in that new season because if he doesn't i think you could very quickly find himself back in a supporting role and he does he says all the right things i think he generally is happy for brandon to be this good it helps Subaru. oh yeah in turn it helps him but equally no driver at this level wants to be second they want to be first so he's gonna have to find a way to get on top of his teammate which at the minute does look quite tricky and and to to prove the point that you just said that he is happy for Simonuk, um when i talked to him at at park for may and i'm gonna have an article probably coming out about this the podcast the day the podcast releases um it was travis who got brandon on the team in the first place they they did a driver's search and brandon kind of blew everyone else out of the water um but apparently some of the higher-ups were like a little iffy on him and uh, travis was just like look guys i've i've raced against this guy before i know that if you give him the chance he's gonna he's gonna commit and he's gonna end up exactly where he is now winning the championship um Wow. So, realistically, Travis genuinely couldn't be happier for, for Brandon. Um, but at, at the same time, he, he wants to be at that same level, obviously. <laughs> it's a nice role reversal, though, isn't it? I'm sorry, we're sort of to and from between each other a little bit now, but obviously for years, Travis looked up to, to David Higgins at Subaru as, as mentor, essentially. He was a guy that he would learn everything mm-hmm. from. And I think it must be really nice for Travis now to essentially be doing that in reverse for Brandon. Is Brandon seen Travis? He's been taken under his wing, and I didn't know actually that it was Travis essentially that that <laughs> got Brandon in. So that's incredible. Um, but it is it is one of those things, isn't it? It's like the the student has become the master, and vice versa. But I guess obviously when you're when you're the master, and the student keeps beating you, <laughs> then you have to find a Clenched way to teeth. yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah, but there we are. It'll be fascinating anyway. If you think this year was exciting, I guess next year should be even better. Hey, it's my favorite part of the running order. Tell me. Uh, well. You're going to uh, round big... up the other classes for us, aren't yeah. you? Well, I got to give a big congratulations to our LN4 national champions. Oh, I know where this Sledek, is going. <laughs> uh, in the HPD uh, heart rally team Honda Passport. They actually did it. It's incredible. Yeah. So uh, I'm willing to bet that the Honda Passport is not a very popular car in the UK, if it exists over no, there at all. We I don't wonder have if one. it's got a different name. You know, sometimes uh, they, I'm they gonna give look them it up. like a... I, I think this, the most similar thing I could think to it, Lisa, is a CRV. Yeah. 
but I don't think it is the same car. <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. so imagine that's, a CRV, but the about. next size up. Oh, it is a CRV. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures now on the internet. And yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. And- okay. So basically, this is a team of Honda engineers, uh, and they are a volunteer race team. They, they take basically stock vehicles for the most part uh, from, from the Honda fleet and put them out on the rally stage. And uh, the Passport oh, competed in mostly a full season. They didn't make it out to the West Coast because it was a pretty long tow from Ohio where they're based. Uh, but no, a V6 engine, nine-speed transmission, automatic with uh, optional paddle shifters, uh, terrain selection mode that they apparently put in sand mode for the rally stages, and uh, some, <laughs> some Maxxis all-terrain and mud-terrain tires, and just driving it to the best of their ability and having a reliable car completely paid off this year. I mean, we had, don't get me wrong, plenty of faster cars in the class every single round they never made it to they never won a race um but they finished all of theirs even though southern ohio they finished in super rally because they uh absolutely skied it on the opening super special <laughs> and bent all four control arms Oops. uh yeah uh but other than that they didn't have a single mechanical issue uh or at least not one big enough to uh warrant telling me about at least um and they actually had their probably their best rally ever at lspr because the really deep thick mud caught everyone else out a lot more than them and they ended up what finishing eighth overall in national and they were like the top 10 of 68 entries in a honda passport with a stock drivetrain and Isn't the, that just the, heat... though, the whole kind of um, the the whole attraction of rallying though for so many people is the fact you think do you know what I wonder if I could just stick some numbers on the side of my car and take it through that stage yeah yeah I mean the answer is always no right but <laughs> this is the closest you'll get passport. yeah uh, I mean it, it's caged it's got all the safety stuff but it still has an air conditioner and a heater um, <laughs> I really want them to add a second row of race seats in it because I want to take a ride in it. Uh, but I don't think they'll do that. Uh, but no, I hope to see them back out next year. I hope that this, uh, I hope this championship that they've gotten allows them to get some more funding and more support from Honda themselves. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe build something that can be competitive with the pace as well as the reliability. Um, it was, uh, cause even, even coming into this event, they needed to rely on some attrition, which, uh, Fortunately and unfortunately, they got when Texas Dave went off on the second stage. And uh, after that, it was kind of keeping enough pace and hoping that Tim Whitridge uh, beat Mark Piatkowski in, in the class and everything kind of fell into place for him. That's just brilliant. But I mean, that rallying is about road cars, isn't it? Effectively, it's kind of taking me back to, I mean, I wasn't there because obviously I'm only 21, um, to the Monte Carlo <laughs> rally and, and the little mini that could. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's why we love the sport is that you, you don't need to have a multi-million pound budget. Obviously, if you want to win, you, you genuinely need to have funds. But, you know, further down, and, and George is talking a lot at the moment about his um, time trialling that he's, what, what does he call it? Motor tests that he's been mm-hmm. doing and he's, he's back in just enjoying driving his car and we like to drive our cars and we like to see people 
thrashing cars that are very similar to our own road models that we sit in the traffic jams commuting to work in. I, I personally yeah. think that's what the, the ARA does better than any other rally championship in the world because you can bring essentially anything there and you can find a class to fit. Like you, you could not bring a Honda Passport to the WRC. Like you just would not get that. It isn't a homologated rally car, but here it's, you, you, you've, you've got the rule set and there's enough flexibility there to, to cater for kind of all different purposes. And you, as you say, you can kind of bring your own car with some very white modifications and just take it out and have a blast. And that spirit is very much alive. And as much as the ARA is growing and continuing to, gain more international interest i really hope that that can stay because a it's infectious and brilliant but b it will actually be another massive selling point of the championship because we see it in in sort of i'll keep mentioning wrc today but we see it there and obviously perhaps it's a bit different you're competing for a world's title rather than a national one but it's so serious even in the lower classes you sense that yes the drivers are enjoying it but it's not the first thing that's on their mind like the amount of sacrifice everything having to do to get there but in ARA, even at the front, everywhere, it just feels like it's fun. And that is ultimately what it's all about in a rally. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what Definitely. creates the atmosphere in the service parks as well, isn't it? Where um, if something hasn't gone right and somebody's perhaps going to have to super rally, that you see those lights in the tents into the night as tinkering's being done to try and get the car ready to get it into Park Fermé to get it back out again and, and get underway the next day. Yeah. I love uh, all that. I love those, that little... Little twinkle of a lantern into the night, <laughs> cups of tea or coffee if you're stateside. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's it's probably a good time as well that we we pay tribute to Al Dantes. This is so so sad. He was killed whilst refueling his car um, at yeah. a petrol station in his hometown or a gas station, as as you say, stateside in Michigan. Um, just you know, a, a week ahead of the LSPR. Um, no, a day ahead of. Oh, a day ahead of it. It was only a day. It was, it was oh. the night before the rally. Oh, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. What can you tell us about Al? Um, well, it, uh, Al was probably the most well-known and well-loved regional competitor in the sport. Um, he had a, a V8-powered RX-7 to the point of being able to kind of run anything you want in, in the ARA. Uh, I think it was worth it was worth somewhere in the four-figure range, but he still he wheeled it extremely well and always just went out there, rallied as much as he could, and had fun. Um, it was a it was a very difficult rally to get through in that sense um, because it was his home rally. Um, everyone there, everyone in the ARA knew him and loved him. Uh, he gave countless people in the sport their start um he always went out of his way to help any of his grassroots friends he supported the championship he was always uh if he wasn't at a rally he was always posting in facebook groups uh gathering whatever information he could so that everyone could be updated uh as best as possible on every single vehicle across the field uh he he tragically leaves behind six daughters. Um, and there is a GoFundMe that has been set up. And I think in less than 24 hours, it's raised over $50,000. Uh, last I checked for them. Um, but yeah, it, seeing his car pull into 
uh, into Park Expose was very difficult. Uh, there was a moment of silence held for him. Uh, and, and everyone knew him. When I say everyone knew him, I mean literally everyone. You would ask Pastrana, and he would say, oh, yeah, everyone knew Al. You would ask the Gelsominos. Everyone had personal experience with him, pretty much. And if they didn't, they knew exactly who he was, and they knew his character. Um, they, he, one person told me that he sourced them a parts car that week so that they could get their car ready for the rally. Um, you know, uh, Andrew Sims, who now has a national co-driving seat with Dylan Murcott, his first rally was just a couple years ago, uh, sitting next to Al. Um, Keegan Helwig was supposed to be co-driving with him this weekend, and it's another person that Al gave his first chance to, and he's been really improving ever since. And, um, uh, Bryce Proceus, I don't know if Bryce's first rally was with Al or not, but um, he was certainly one of the closest people with Al, and uh, seeing those three this weekend was was very difficult. They were obviously very upset, um, but I would like to send out uh, a note of encouragement to, to everyone who knew Al, but to those three in specific, um, I know that what you're going through is very difficult, but I think out of anyone else in the sport, you three are some of the greatest people that can carry on his legacy. And I know that you guys will be touching at least as many lives as he did. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know if there's anything else you could say about Al without just going on for hours, honestly. Well said, Mason. And um, we'd like at Dirtfish to um, give our condolences to um, Al's family and his six daughters and just just awful that life can be snatched away being in the wrong place at the wrong time uh, al dantes um will be much loved and much remembered throughout the ara and and to add on to that i forgot to mention uh they they retired al's number his car number 50 um which is the third ever in us rallying to be retired and the i believe the only to not be retired due to a fatal accident on stage what a great thing to do, because uh, that way his his memory will live on with with that number being retired. So very desperately sad. Well, this side of the Atlantic, the Rally World will move to Spain for the next round of the WRC, and Luke, you will be actually heading to the event. I have to say that it almost feels. I have to say, Mace, those were beautiful words on Al as well. It almost feels wrong to be talking about something more upbeat i generally feel really emotional right now um but yeah i i will be heading to spain along with very talented colin clark and um, put it all right into the wrc it's kind of a weird one now isn't it we're at that point in the year where the season has kind of curtailed isn't it the champion has has been crowned so it always creates a different atmosphere in terms of what there is but there's plenty still to, to look out for there's a manufacturer's championship there's a wrc2 battle which is getting really intense but i think if nothing else i'm really curious to see what these rally one cars are like on the spanish stages because it has often been said for a while that they're the most like a racetrack that you'll find in a wrc yeah. i guess even including monza last year the way those stages were was not really so racy at all so we know the added power these cars have they have a bit less aero than before but i think if we can pull up some stage times and see what they're doing on, on these really and i hope it's dry for that sake to really see the drivers 
explore the absolute limits of these cars and just to see what they're like. Um, but this is the thing with this rally, particularly without the gravel leg in it, the timings will be incredibly close throughout the event because it's because it's a, like a race circuit. It is actually genuinely quite hard to make up time on your rivals. So it, yeah. it should be a really, really good battle. Um, I've said this now. It'll end up being a, a walkover by somebody. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> Callie Perra, obviously. <laughs> the um, Yeah, I remember one year that there's the, the donut roundabout and I can't remember. It's it's kind of on usually on the Sunday. I yeah, it's on the Sunday. Don't know. I always used to lose track. But um, I I can't remember who it was. But somebody did an extra spin around the round. It might have been Ken Block actually. But whoever it was, you, you kind of thought, oh, they're still going. Oh, no, I think they've forgotten how many. So they don't know where their exit is <laughs> on this roundabout. <laughs> somebody somebody pointed out, but the crowd were loving it. And lots of ole as they went round again. Um, if it was Ken, and, he knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, seconds can be lost, or, or uh, more importantly, fractions of seconds can be lost. It's just beautiful to be in Spain at this time of year, and the weather is pretty good as well. It's going to be. Warm enough, but not too warm for you, Luke, because I know you suffer from Davidaitis, which is, oh my God, it's getting near 20 Celsius. I'm probably going to overheat. Um, I'll have to take my jumper off. Um, but it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful time of the year to be in Spain and, you know, a hard day rallying. And seeing as you are with Colin Clark, he will find somewhere nice for you to sit and have a have a beer and, or he'll probably have a coffee uh, or five and just... <laughs> Enjoy the ambiance that you get in Spain, a little tapas here or there, maybe. Um, well, this is it, it, it is, is a it's, yeah. nice feeling. It is, it is nice, and I think it's, I think Spanish culture is potentially underrated around the world because it's kind of, I don't know, it's like just an, another European country in a way, isn't it? To be a bit flippant about it, but there is, there's lots of magical stuff there, and it to me, it feels like a really nice place to have a rally. Um, Absolutely. I don't know, if, I don't know if there'll be time to hitch on all the rides at the theme park. I might try and twist Colin's arm. I don't know if that will go very well, but we'll no, see. I, um, I don't see him as a as a theme park junkie, but um, yeah, no, Port Ventura for anyone who hasn't been, because I have been to Salam many times and looked longingly at the at the uh, theme park, but never been able to cross the fence and go in and and have have some fun on the rides. Has some very um, <laughs> there's Ferrari Land, and it has. Oh, hmm, you can't say this? you can't say what you said to me. When we I had can't say what I podcast, said to you can earlier, you? can I? No, it no, has a very prominent vertical rise ride that goes <laughs> very up and very down, and from a distance looks very very rude. <laughs> that's that's I'll a leave really it good at way that. To put it. Yeah, good way to put it. Well dodged. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be, Thank you. I'm going to leave it right out there. But yeah, there will, of course, be plenty over this week. Um, reflecting on LSPR and the ARA season, I'm looking ahead to Rally Spain as well. So I'm going to do what Lisa did earlier and just gently remind you all to stay tuned to dirtfish.com and see all that unfold. I suspect there'll be plenty um, to get from the various media zones throughout the weekend as well. Um, more clarity on the high and die. Oliver Solberg situation and by the way just to add I think it's great that he's coming to the the Cambrian Rally in Wales next week because I was going to go there anyway just for a bit of a jolly um now we've yep. got a WRC star there so that makes it more interesting so thanks Oliver <laughs> yeah <laughs> there, there will be plenty to keep an eye on um Mason I, I don't know it feels weird actually asking a WRC question because we always ask you about ARA but just to quickly conclude mm -hmm. this because I know I'm going to get a firm tap on the shoulder for timing in a second 
But Mason, what have you made of, of the WRC season this far? And, and is Rally Spain, for me, it's always been one that's been quite enjoyable to watch, just despite some people saying quite the opposite. But are you looking forward to what's going to unfold this weekend? I mean, yeah, uh, especially I have no other rallying to watch now, so I, I can't be distracted uh, by, by the clearly more important ARA championship. But, you know, uh, when uh, I guess it's not, it's not like there's nothing to play for, I should say, but when, uh, when a championship has been won, you can sometimes see pressure come off of other people and maybe they'll end up surprising you uh it's always kind of fun to see stuff like that happen and uh you know yet another car uh i was gonna I say i was gonna go motorbike on that i thought maybe yeah maybe not it's me it's uh, like a rally car but maybe i'm just too tuned to listen to rally cars and i can't see <laughs> if someone's driving rally car on a, on a random monday then fair play to you lads but i, I don't see it so maybe i'm wrong <laughs> uh, i don't know my blinds are closed so i don't know exactly what it was uh, oh, come but on. I know. No, good for you closing the blinds. Much better sound quality recording. Well done. <laughs> Bouncing off the glass, you'd sound like you're in a gentleman's convenience. Um, you, you mentioned Oliver Solberg there, um, Luke. Check out on dirtfish.com a nice uh, article there uh, written by one David Evans about the fact M Sport in talks with Solberg for 2023. There is so much on the website that you probably have been reading as you've been listening to this podcast. If not, go back, put your feet up and um, sit back and have a, have a good catch up on what's happening in the world of rallying. Luke, you're going to have a brilliant time in Rally Spain. You genuinely are going to have a lovely time over there. I hope so. Um, you, you've certainly bigged it up to me a lot. And not that I wasn't excited anyway, but you've added an extra element of anticipation for me. So I know who to blame if it all goes wrong. Awesome. Spain's magnificent, I have to say. Barcelona is one of the greatest cities on the planet. I love it. I love it. I love it. Mason, you need to go to Barcelona if you haven't been already. I haven't. You haven't? Stick that nope. on the list. Um, I haven't been to Michigan and I haven't been to Indianapolis either. So um, mm. I, I quite like you know, the look of LSPR. That looks good. I might do that next year. I will and say the Upper Peninsula is beautiful. Okay. Is that Indianapolis or Michigan? Uh, that's that's Michigan. That's where LSPR was. Oh, okay. Yes. Michigan but, but is split in into two different pieces of land. But you're so in this Indianapolis. Is the upper peninsula. Yeah, I'm in Indianapolis. It's a little bit less beautiful. Uh, well, you see, when I do my big road trip across the states and fill in the rest of the states that I haven't been to, um, I will I will put my little pin in the map and and come and visit. That's yes, the please plan. do. That's the plan. Uh, the plan now, though, is is to round things up, really, lads, because we have ticked over our allotted time. It's been absolutely brilliant and fantastic to focus on the ARA. I'm kind of gutted that it's over for another season. And how long do I have to wait, Luke? Four months for it to restart? Just about. Yeah, I, yeah. I haven't checked this specific date. There was actually the calendar came out for next year, just at the weekend there. Um, and embarrassingly, I haven't thought to look at the precise date for Snowdrift, but it's around February. So February nineteenth, I think it is. Oh, there you go, exactly four months. It's been one of those years because I feel it was only a couple of weeks ago we were talking about snowdrift. So, um, yeah, where did 2022 <laughs> go? It can go away as far as I'm concerned. Hasn't been the greatest year in my family, but the rallying has kept me going. And the company I've been keeping on the podcast has been absolutely outstanding, as it has been once again. Mason, thank you so much for joining. And Luke, awesome work as ever. Thank you very much. Yeah, we'll speak soon. Too.